everybody, welcome to the Mental Toughness and Body Show. My name is Rob Evans and I'm your transformation coach, health strategist and internationally published author, helping take your life and your business, your health, fitness, mindset and body from where you are right now to where it is that you want to be. So at the time of recording this, it's a Sunday and uh, I wanted to use a, a little story of something that I'm doing uh, in my home right now and how it's made me think about, I guess, bigger picture things that are going on in our lives in general, including my own. And it's all around your mindset. One of the biggest changes that I've made in in my own life is to have a significant impact on my mindset, making sure that I moved it from this kind of toxic energy that I was living in for probably decades of my life, certainly from uh, a young child through to, well, I say young child, I'm going to say 10, 11, around that age, through to my oh, probably late 20s into my early 30s. And it was not a growth mindset. It was not where I, I knew that I ultimately wanted to be living. And I allowed, I guess, feedback that was coming into my life, I allowed it to break me down as opposed to use it as an opportunity to build myself up. And I want to use uh, the, the example uh, that as a metaphor here today. So in my home, I, I'm not a big person on interior decorating and that kind of stuff. Like in, look, to put it br- um, uh, bluntly, I have no clues, right? So uh, the furniture in my house has really, like you think about where, where do you get your tastes from? And so I was brought up in a, a household where a mum and dad were very much into antiques. And so antique furniture and uh, antique pieces and, and so forth. And mum would, I would travel around with mum as a child and she'd go to all these different antique shops and we'd go through all these things. And I guess she liked certain things and I, be, I came to to like certain things as well. Like I liked um, old, old style Sorry, arc. I understand. Yeah, me either. Um, I, I came to like, um, I, I like castles and um, homesteads and that historical type of uh, building and I guess the furniture that went along, along with that. And mum's, mum's parents, dad's parents were into antiques as well and these you know, really fancy pieces of, of furniture and all that kind of stuff. So cut a long story short, uh, and w- and when I became a homeowner and when I got married and, and so forth, um, the type of furniture that I was attracted to at the time, because dad was also a, uh, he made furniture, uh, he was into woodworking and so forth, and he thought painting furniture was a sin, you know, because you've got to bring out the natural colours in the timber and we have so many, just like food, you know, we have so many beautiful timbers and you put like just a natural stain on, a natural sealer on them and it brings out the, you know, the true beauty in, in wood. And so uh, I was drawn to that type of furniture in my house. So essentially brown furniture, whether it be stained or just natural colours and so forth. And that's what I surrounded myself with. And uh, we come, say, 30 years later and my house is filled with that type of furniture still. And then when mum and, pa- and dad um, passed away, uh, then I had the opportunity to take a lot of furniture of theirs into to my house as well. My brother didn't want it. He had a small house and, and stuff. And 
Uh, I already had a fully furnished house. I was like, what am I going to do with a $7,000 antique style table and uh, you know, different um, sideboards and all that kind of stuff? I had no space for it and it just didn't really suit, suit my house. And I already had a bunch of brown furniture. So now I've been uh, thinking about, man, I've got all this furniture in the house and it's 30 plus years old and you can't sell, nobody wants to buy brown furniture anymore. Uh, the stuff that I've got isn't antique. I've probably got, I've got one piece. It's a very, very fancy hand carved uh, sideboard that it's very big and it's over a hundred years old, probably 150 years old. Beautiful craftsmanship. Uh, and I want to keep that one. Uh, but the other pieces I'm thinking, Man, if I sold these things, you pretty much you get nothing for it. You replace them, you're talking about thousands of dollars for an equivalent piece and an updated colour, etc. In, um, you know, in that size and functionality and stuff. And it's like, man, this is probably, if I replaced all the furniture, it's probably like a $30,000 experience in the home. I see that as being a waste of money. So I thought, okay, so what can I do? Not really enjoying this type of furniture and uh, I don't want to buy new furniture. So I'm sitting there these last few days uh, that I've um, been recovering from this chest infection. Like my ears are all blocked up. There's all this gunk coming out of my, my nose and throat and stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm still not feeling 100%. I'm not completely energized, but I can't sit there and do nothing. And I'm sitting there looking at all this stuff. So I'm sitting in the ca- on the couch and just trying to chill out a little bit. And I'm looking at all this brown furniture and I'm like, why don't I paint, paint it? So I ran it by my daughter and she said, yeah, I think that would uh, be good because she said, yeah, it does look a bit old fashioned. And so I thought, okay, why don't I start with this piece? And so I painted it white. And so it's, imagine it's um, white with black handles. Now it was brown. And it came up really, really nicely. And I said to my daughter, I said, what do you think of this? And she said, yeah, that looks really good. It looks really clean. It looks fresh and more modern. And everybody that's been coming into that, a lot of my clients, when they walk past it and stuff, and they're like, oh, wow, this, is, uh, this looks really good. So, of course, the obsessive, compulsive side of me said, right, now I want to paint every brown piece of furniture in the house. So the last couple of days, I thought, all right, why don't I attack the, the TV cabinet? It's quite big. And so I finished that yesterday and it's like, oh, that looks really good. And now I'm looking at all the other brown pieces and then my dining table, and which is a 10-seater table. It's like, it's really big. And I mean, I need to paint all the chairs too, but uh, I'm going to go through and I'm going to refresh it. And it's completely changed the look of the rooms, uh, the entranceway to the home and, and everything. And it's like, wow, this is really cool. So why am I telling you this? Well, and how does it relate? How does my brown furniture relate to your mindset? Well, it's like this, 30 years ago, I thought, and I'm saying 30 years, maybe longer, I thought that this furniture was amazing and that it was suiting the house and it was terrific. You know, we lived in, um, in an acreage, it was, um, you know, a federation style of home and it, and it suited it at that time. But things change, right? I now live in a, a modern home uh, the furniture doesn't match the home, or didn't match the home. And now, just by giving it a coat of paint, it completely changed it and looks way more modern 
and, but it's double-edged because now I'm looking at the things on the wall. It's like, well, that thing on the wall does not match this new modern-looking kind of furniture. So I've created a rod for my back. But my point here is what was once something that looked really good and was something that was appropriate perhaps for the time is going to date over time and needs to be updated. Now, our mindset is the same, right? Because there was a point in time in my mindset was that was the dream piece of furniture. And if I had to put white furniture in the home at that time, it's like I wouldn't have liked it. But your taste change, your mindset evolves over time as to what it is that you want. You're in a different stage of your life, etc. And we need to be making sure that our mindset keeps adjusting. Now, we change our furniture, we change certain things in our life. I mean, I saw an ad the other day on an old movie that I taped, and it was an iPhone 4S, right? Now, I don't know what year that came out, but it showed, it's probably 10 years or more ago. I'm now holding an iPhone 14 Pro Max, and at some point when someone's listening back to this, they'll say, man, remember the iPhone 15? Golly, now we're up to the iPhone 35 or whatever, um, at the point is that we, we update a lot of the things around us, but we tend to leave our mindset stagnant. We tend to leave it where it is. Just look at, at the time of recording this, 2023 has probably been the fastest growth in everyday person ability to access AI technology than, yeah, it's like it's the biggest revolution we've had in certainly in this decade, but probably since the internet. <coughs> and it's not that AI has only been invented in 2023, it's just that it's become more, more accessible at a very either free or very user-friendly uh, rate, uh, like ChatGPT is uh, probably the, the biggest example that Microsoft have come out with that has really, really taken the world by storm and the uptake of it is just massive. But now it's just proliferating to all other areas. So uh, you give this another five years and it, the way that we interact with people is gonna be completely different. Probably all apps will disappear within the next 10 years and we will just be relying on AI to do all the things that we, we want it to do. So we need to make sure that we are evolving our mindset. We're taking our mindset to the next level and we continue to, to grow it and work it and not just allow the things around us to, I guess, replace the things that we do. But also, uh, that if we allow that to happen, we're, let's just say that we're in the future and cyborgs replace a whole bunch of things that we do. We're no longer doing gardening. We're no longer doing cooking. We're no longer doing cleaning. We're not doing any of those things. Now, we can outsource all those things right now. And you think about all of the other things that we are allowing AI to do, then our thinking starts to diminish, right? We tend to just then focus on, well, what are those... Um, you know, leisure type things that I can be doing. And so you will suffer from leisure fatigue if you don't have the challenge in your life. And so we need to make sure that we're continuing to grow ourselves, we're continuing to push ourselves, and 
We have to stay focused on growing our mindset to become better and better people every single day, no matter what the technology is around us, no matter what the, the, the luxury things that we have around us to make our life easier and more enjoyable, we have to continue to grow our mindset. Because you have, if you're the richest person in the world, you have more money than you're ever going to be able to use. That will not make you happy. In fact, you'll probably become bored. Because after a period of time, whether it's three months, six months, 12 months, five years, whatever, you are going to become bored because, um, I'm generalizing here, uh, because some people may not, but most will, because it's like, okay, now what? You're saying, well, I've done all these things. I've bought 50 Lamborghinis or I've bought every possible luxury car I can. I own 60 houses around the world. I'm traveling constantly. I've been around the world 16 times. I've done all these weird experiences and rare experiences. But until you get to that point where you continue to grow yourself, you're continuing to add value to other people and make you better every single day, and it's got nothing to do with money, then you'll never reach that true happiness and that true success that you're truly capable of and you'll never achieve what you really, really need to. So what I see is we need to find a strategy for you where you can see that you are progressing your life every single day and you are growing your mindset to become a better person every single day. You're adding value to others You're leaving this place a better place than it was when you got here. You're connecting with people in an ethical, a moral, loving, empathetic way. And you're finding what that legacy is that you want to leave behind. And it's unique for every single person. But what I'm suggesting to you is you need to come up with those things and exclude money from it. Okay, you can add the money in later. Because most people start with the money when it comes to success. And they think, oh, well, I want to achieve this status because of the money. But it's not the money. Do those other things right and the money will come. Because you're connecting for the right reasons. You're adding value for the right reasons. You're doing all of those things. Now, that doesn't mean mindlessly chase down a passion project and just go at that forever Trouble is with something like that, you'll probably remain broke forever and that will not be a part of your success either. You've got to follow the things that are smart. You've got to do what's smart. You've got to find a way that you can live the lifestyle that you want. You can build the wealth that you want. But my point is you need to find a way that you can do that but also have all these other things that I'm talking about as well. It's growing you to be the best version of you and money is a byproduct of that. But what I say about passion projects, let's say for for me and uh, what I I spend a little bit of time each week on uh, in the space for my daughter and eating disorders, if I only focused on that, I'm probably going to end up completely broken and broke because there's no money in it, right? And I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I feel a calling from my daughter to say, help others. But she also knew me well enough to know that, well, 
Don't help others to the extent that you're going to be broke or you're going to be broken by virtue of it just being a constant reminder of the pain and suffering that my daughter went through. So I have to finally balance that. And if you've been listening to me on my other podcast, Rob Evans 365, you'll hear me talk about how I'm, I'm getting to that stage where I feel like I probably need to back away from it a little bit and find another way where I can feel like I'm adding value but not doing the work that I'm doing at the moment. It's got an expiry date on it. And that's fine. For others, it can be different. So hopefully you can, you can hear the, the fine distinction between what it is to achieve the great success for you, but not completely doing it at the expense of a, a passion project where it's going to take away from what it is that you're going to do. The better thing to do is probably something like, well, let's say you look at Bill Gates. Um, different points in time, the richest person on the world, got out of Microsoft, built the Bill and uh, Melinda uh, Foundation. He now adds a heap of value to people around the globe through the foundation. Uh, Warren Buffett donates billions in, into the foundation. He's donated uh, billions into his foundation. But he's still doing a whole bunch of other great things around the world as well. Okay, so he's adding value constantly because he's an incredibly hard worker. Now, he built the wealth first before doing all the passion projects. Okay, so that's another opportunity for you to build the wealth first, make sure that you're, you're, you're doing what's important to you and then move on to those other things. That's one of the admir- admirable things about uh, Bill Gates, I think. Uh, the... He's such an incredibly hard worker. He's got an incredible brain, a very, very smart guy, uh, but realised when it was time to get out of uh, what it was he was doing to work on other things. And he's still working incredibly hard on other things because he's successful because he is such a hard worker and he is such a person that wants to add value continuously uh, to people and why he still remains one of the richest people uh, on the planet. But it's got nothing to do with money. Okay, hopefully you can, if you can find the distinction in what I'm talking about, you get it, right? If you can't, re-listen to it, do more work. The bottom line here today is we need to continue to refresh our mindset. And it's something that I focus on every single day. And going back to my story about the furniture, what that has got to do with it. Well, the furniture can't think the furniture stays the same, exactly the same. We have a different mindset from time to time. And what was sexy and attractive maybe 30 years ago in your life is now not. And I'm not talking about people here. Um, what I mean is things evolve and you can take the old thing, i.e. your mindset, and you can refresh it now. Okay? Now, most people don't change their mindsets. Most people just continue to allow life to just keeping on happening to them without achieving significant growth. Most people will remain exactly the same, okay? But if you're listening to this right now and it's a Sunday and you're listening, then kudos to you and I know that you want more. You are hungry for more and it's going to start with your mindset, right? And you need to find ways to build your mindset every single day. Okay, if you're finding ways to grow yourself every single day. So I'll give you, uh, just before we finish here, 
I give you a few tips that I do every single day to help uh, work on my mindset. The first thing is the day before, or the night before, the next day, I will plan out five things, five outcomes that I want to achieve for the next day. Five outcomes. Now, if you're doing this for the first time, I say five because the app that I use has five and it won't let me save it unless I put five. So I can't put three, it won't let me save it. So I've got to put five in. Now, if you're just starting out, I would say pick three. We work well in threes as humans. Pick three things that you want to achieve that are fairly significant for the next day. So don't make, try not to make them just transactional things, but when you're just starting out, if you're going from a, a low base, maybe make some of them transactional. So what I'm talking about is, let's say it comes down to your health and wellness, and you say, well, okay, you want to do a workout tomorrow. So maybe that's one of yours. I want to do a strength workout tomorrow. Bang, that's one of them. Um, there's something that you need to do for your work, your business and whatever, uh, make that one of them as well. And then pick a third one, maybe it's uh, you wanna spend time, um, and, and don't just say spend time, because you say, well, okay, I've spent five seconds, that's time. Be specific, so I wanna spend 60 minutes of quality time with my partner, 60 minutes of quality time with my children doing X. You'll be quite specific about it. And maybe they're your three ones to start with. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Over time, you'll make them more, uh, more and more challenging. Uh, me, I tend to make mine more about business, but sometimes I'll put something in there about uh, my daughter as well, spending time with her. Depends on what's going on. Okay, so I do that every single day, seven days a week. Seven days a week. And then at the end of that day, I rate... Um, I, I tick them off. Did I do them? Because the app forces me to, to do that. And then I will rate my day out of 10, how it was, how was my effort, etc. with some comments. And through that process, I'm thinking about what could I have done better today? So I want you to adopt this mindset. How do I make today better than yesterday? And if you have that mindset, you'll always be focusing on what's that, that extra thing that I could be doing? What's that next thing? I also track my food, I also track my exercise so that I know exactly what it is that I'm doing and what the correlations are because I know just how important my health is towards my energy, towards my outcomes, etc. All these things are like dots out there that I draw the connections to. They are all connected with what it is that I get done each day. Uh, so that's one of them. I also do neuro, neurofeedback uh, coaching sessions. I do those like... My coaching sessions are once a month. I do uh, the, um, the neurofeedback uh, training. I do that up to twice a day at the moment. Each session is half an hour, so I need to set aside uh, time uh, in the day uh, to do that. I normally do one at night time once my day is done, and I'll do one uh, at another part in the day where that is suitable. I've already done one session uh, this morning, and for me, that just helps me uh, focus on these high performance outcomes. I also set myself up where there are things that I just need to do every single day. So like I do two podcasts a day. Um, I work on relationships every day. I block out time every day, 30 minutes, to uh, work on uh, maintaining, nurturing, building, growing relationships. So I find the key things that I know are going to help me grow as a person. I listen to my coach every single day. He has a platform called Millionaire Flicks and I, I listen to it every single day. Usually when I'm doing the neurofeedback training, 
but there are other times where I do it as well. So I'm constantly growing, constantly feeding my brain. The other thing that I do is as I uh, news. So when it comes to the news, I, I tend to not watch uh, local TV and do that kind of stuff. Uh, or I'll, sometimes I'll listen to the ABC radio, but normally when I'm in the car, I'm either uh, meeting with somebody like on the phone or I'm recording uh, podcasts and that kind of stuff. So I tend not to waste time through there, but I find a time through the day. I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. You can normally get a subscription for like two bucks a month, something like that. And then uh, what I do with that is I'll read it uh, at different times through the day to see what are the headlines. It flashes up on my phone. What are the the latest headlines and stuff. And so I find that that paper gives me a pretty good global view as to what's going on with the news. And if there's something big going on in Australia, then I'll find out through that as well. And uh, that for me is a a good place to get the news. So I'm I'm getting a a global impact of a global view of what's going on around the world as well. Uh, Also making sure that I'm taking care of my health. I'm doing my strength training three times a week. I'm doing my around 10,000 steps every single day, eating really well, taking my supplements, drinking plenty of water, etc., etc. So all of those things help my mindset. All of those things. I start from a base of, like I said before, how do I make me a better person today than I was yesterday? What can I do today that is going to make me better than yesterday. And I find if you come from that mindset, you will find ways to continuously grow yourself. It's going to be different for each person, but you've got to develop a strong work ethic around improving your mindset, right? My thinking style now, my ability to solve problems now is nothing like it was 30 years ago with my brown furniture. Nothing like it. And it's only come from the practice. Right Now, if your mindset has been sitting there for 30 years and not really developing a, a growth mindset, it doesn't matter. You can start now. Just start little by little, grow a little each day. And that's how I've done it. Now, my mindset is nothing like it was 30 years ago, but I didn't do that in one day. I've done it over 30 years. It's like little by little by little, focus, improve, focus, improve, focus, improve. You've got to practice, just like doing the neurofeedback Training, I'm doing that so that my high-performance thinking becomes better. They say it takes about 400 sessions in order to change that. I think I'm up to about 83, about 400 sessions. But I can feel how it's really happening, how it's starting to have an impact. So if you want to connect with me, go to mentaltoughnessandbodyshow.com. You can opt in for a free consultation right there. I'd love to connect with you. doesn't matter where you are in the world. I'm here for you. See you tomorrow.